morning. Everybody doing good this morning? All right, a couple of you are good. Well, we glad, we're glad you guys are here today, man. We're in a series called Love Songs, and uh, you've, you've heard some uh, this morning already. You've sang some to God. I mean, it's always a cool thing to be able to gather as the body of Christ, especially on a beautiful day like today, and just to be able to sing songs of love and, and just showing our affections towards God. It's always a powerful thing. If you got your outlines, you can kind of take it out. And today we're, we're taking a look at a song called, uh, it says, I Will Always Love You. And I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with the song. For me, when I think of that song, I think of Whitney Houston. Does anybody else think of Whitney Houston? Incredible singer. I mean, ended a, tra- a tragic death at the end of her life. Was just uh, It's one of those horrible things where you're taken too soon. Incredible person. Uh, you know, she, she grew up singing in church, and you just wonder, you know, what happened? You know, uh, and obviously took, made some bad choices and bad decisions, bad relationships. Went down the wrong road. But actually, Dolly Parton is the one that wrote that song. She wrote that song uh, back whenever she was on the Porter Wagner show. Does anybody remember seeing the Porter Wagner show? Show your age. Yeah, I remember seeing it, you know, all the rhinestones and everything as a little kid. And, she, and Dolly Parton wrote that song to say, hey, listen, I love you, but I am leaving. I am moving on. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, this week as we, we talked about that song, I was like, you know, what a great statement. I will always love you. People need to hear that. You know, and, and God says that, but I thought about, you know, how's that song, you know, how do we, how do we draw from that song just uh, what it was talking about? And I thought about with Jesus where he's telling the disciples, hey, listen, I love you, but I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. But it's best for me to leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to work in you. And he is going to empower you. And he is going to be able to do things through you. And he is going to walk with you. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, it's better for you that I leave. And, of course, you know, they're going like, how in the world is that better, Jesus? How is it better for you to leave than to be here. But he said, listen, it's better for you for me to move on, for me to go on and continue and fulfill what God has called me to do, but it's better for you to allow the Holy Spirit to live within you and to live through you and to empower you. And so today I want us to kind of look at how God will always love us. And so the first thing is this, the greatest expression of God's love is Jesus. The greatest expression of God's love is Jesus. We talk about you know, God's love for us. We talk, we say the, the, the gospel, that's the good news that God loves us. And he has provided a way of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So when we talk about sharing the gospel, we're sharing the good news. That's what gospel means, good news, that God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to be in right relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And so the great, for the, the greatest expression of God's love is Jesus. It's the greatest expression we'll ever know. You know, you might think, well, God blessed me with a beautiful sunrise this morning. I love sunrises, believe me. I love a beautiful sunrise. I love a beautiful sunset. I love it when the clouds, you know, just kind of light up all the different colors. You know, late in the evening as the sun is going down, it's one of the most beautiful things. Or early in the morning when it's coming up and you see the the sun lighting up the clouds and it's just like unbelievable. God is an incredible artist. But And, and I feel like, you know, that God's, hey, listen, Mike, I gave you that. You know, he blessed me with that, and, and I love to experience those sunsets and those, those uh, sun, uh, sunsets and sunrises. Those are always beautiful to me, or to be able to see a beautiful scene. But the thing is, is that's an expression that God has given, but it's not the greatest expression. The greatest expression is Jesus. When we were in Colorado, one of the things that the pastor out there was telling us, he said, you know, here in Colorado, he said a lot of people, you know, he said they, they worship creation, not the creator. And, and the thing is, is I can enjoy those, those gifts from God, you know, and just say, God, thank you for uh, letting me enjoy that or experience that. And sometimes, and you know how it is, oftentimes with that sunset, it's only for just a few 
seconds, minutes, whatever, that it's just glorious, and then it begins to fade away. You have to wait for another one. And so the thing is, is I think oftentimes we get so focused on creation, we forget it's about the Creator, but the greatest expression of God's love is Jesus. It's the number one thing. And so whenever I'm in those moments the other day, I was driving up Cobb Ford, and it's, you know, how many of you guys are sick of the rain? Anybody sick of the rain? I'm tired of the rain. Yeah, all, most of us are. But God has it here for a reason, so we just gotta, we gotta press through. But the other day, there was a, there was a, like an opening in the clouds, a small opening in the clouds, and the sun was just beaming through. It was just like, it was like God had something highlighted. And as I was driving down Cobb Ford, I, I literally took a picture of it with my phone, and I said, God, what are you highlighting? You know, who is that for? What do you, did somebody just need to see a ray of sun? Did they need to see that you were highlighting something? And I got thinking, did, did I need to see that? God, you had something for me that you just wanted to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm busting through the clouds. I'm just showing you something. And, and you might say, well, Mike, that, that sounds crazy. But for me, it just ministered to me. God, what are you highlighting? What are you showing? And I think one of the things that he always wants to highlight is his son, Jesus. He wants to highlight, hey, my greatest gift to you guys. And I think sometimes we get focused on other things. He said, listen, it all comes back to my son. It all comes back to my gift. It all comes back to the way. And that's Jesus Christ. And look at what it says in John three sixteen and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And so God's showing his great love. He sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross for you and for me. And so what I love is, we, we get if we can get our mind around us, is we are made in the image of God. We are made in his image. We are washed in the blood of Christ if you're a believer. And God's love, God, God loves you as much as he has ever loved you. And some of you need to hear that today. I think there are times we go through life and we start feeling like, well, you know, God doesn't love me. I think God's mad at me. Things aren't going the way that I want them to go. I think that God's mad at me. You know, like he's this big cosmic God up there that's just wanting to, you know, make things rough on us. And he's trying to rough us up and he's trying to whip us into shape. But I hope everybody in this room will hear me say this. God loves you with an everlasting love. He proved that whenever he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins whenever you were caught up in rebellion. Whenever you were sinful. And so the thing is, is I think we often kind of begin to think, all right, God is mad at me. God is frustrated with me. God is whatever. But God will never stop loving you no matter what you do. No matter what you do, God will never stop loving you. He loves you. Look at what it says here in Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were rebellious. When we were sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has, been, has made us friends with God. I mean, just think about that, that we are friends of God. We go from being enemies of God to being friends of God, to being rebellious to being redeemed. Amen? I mean, that God has purchased us with the love of his, his great love through his son Jesus Christ. And when we receive that gift... When we receive Jesus Christ, we are made right with God. I think there are a lot of times we go through life based, you know, we, we look at relationships based on performance. And so God's love is not based on your performance. It's not based on your performance. We often have relationships in life where we think, hey, well, if I do certain things, they'll love me. 
maybe you're a young lady and you're dating some boyfriend and if he, he says, hey, if you'll do what I want, you, you know what, I'll love you. Or maybe you grew up with parents or, or relatives or whatever. That the whole time that you were going through life, you felt like if I perform at a certain level, if I do what he wants or if I do what she wants, they'll love me. Well, that's conditional love. And so God does, God does not love us based on our performance. We don't receive God's love based on our performance. You might think, well, if I'll go to church more, God will love me more. If I'll read my Bible more, God will love me more. If I go on that mission trip, God will love me more. If, if I get involved in a life group, God will love me more. He loves you as much as he will ever love you right now. He loves you with an unconditional love. Now, here's the thing. We do those things because we love him. We go on mission trips because we love others, and we're going to get there today. We, we, we go to life group because we love God and we love people. It's not because, hey, if I do those things, he will love me. He loves me, and he loves you as much as he'll ever love us. He has an unconditional love. Even that when, and when we were yet sinners, He loved us. Now see, we have a tendency in, as humans to love people as long as the relationship's good. We, we, we love as long as the relationship's good. Look at what it says in Romans 5, 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, that is, made acceptable in God's sight by faith... We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It doesn't say anything in there about what we've done, does it? Not at all. It doesn't say anything about how many scriptures you have memorized. It doesn't say anything about how many people you have shared your faith with. None of those things come into play. Let me read it again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, in other words, we have been made acceptable in God's sight by faith. By faith. It's not by works. It's not by me doing more. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So in other words, you know, me always trying to earn God's favor, me always trying to earn God's, God's appreciation or, or acceptance is belittling of what Jesus did. And so the thing is, is we do those things because we love Christ. We love the church. We love the mission that he gave us. We love the Great Commission. We love God. And so therefore we do those things not to earn his love or to receive salvation, but because he loved us first. And so here's another statement. It says God does not love us because we are lovable or because we deserve it. I think sometimes we think that God loves us like we're some kind of little puppy. You know, you know anybody, like a, anybody like a puppy? Is there anything cuter than a, a cute little puppy? Man, they're just so cute, right? I, I was watching documentaries this past week on different things, and like on wood ducks. I was watching one on wood ducks. It's a, actually, the documentary was of, of the Mississippi River and where it started and, and then, you know, the different sections of the river and all this stuff. And there was this cute little wood duck on there. And, man, just so cute. And you're sitting there thinking, all right, that's not the way God looks at us, though. It's not that he goes, oh, I love them because they're so cute. You know, well, that may be our mentality, but God loves us for different reasons than because we're cute. Look around this room. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't love us because we're so cute and lovable. You look at the news. You look at people on TV and stuff, and you go, all right, that's not why he loves us. He goes way deeper than that. And, and so the thing is, is God does not love us because we are lovable or because we deserve it. None of us deserve it. You know, we, we talk about, you hear moms and dads often say, you know, he's a good boy or she's a good girl. She's, he's got a good heart. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the heart is corrupt. Is there any? Is there any that is not? 
And so every heart is corrupt. And so Jesus talking says, while they were yet sinners, the Bible is saying, while they were yet sinners, our heart was corrupt. We were sinful. We were selfish. We were greedy. You know, we were angry, all these different things. Because of the sin that we were in, God, he, he, he literally loved us and sent his son Jesus to die while we were yet sinners. So every heart is corrupt. There's nobody that is without sin. No, not one. And so the thing is, is we have to understand, you know what? It doesn't matter how good you think your child might be. His heart is corrupt. Her heart is corrupt. Your heart was corrupt. And so whenever Jesus redeems us and restores us, he, he gives us a new heart, is what Scripture says. He gives us a new name. He writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. And so look at what it says in Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with many, with, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. All right, so think about this. Before the, the sun, the sunsets, the sunrise, before anything was created, God loved you. Before anything was ever spoken to existence, God loved you. And so what Scripture says before any of creation took place, God, God loved you. And, and God had already decided, hey, you know what, through, the, through His Son, Jesus Christ, we would be made right with Him. He said, that's the way it's going to happen. So before anything ever happened, before there were any stars in the sky, before the sun was placed where it was supposed to be and the moon was placed where it was supposed to be, God said, hey, listen, I'll love you. And I love you with an everlasting love that goes from, from, from beginning of time to the end of time. He is the beginning and the end. And so before the creation of the world, God chose to love us. In Ephesians three seventeen through 19, we kind of unpacked this this past Wednesday night at First Wednesday. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. So we, we kind of unpacked this the other night. We were talking about the power of prayer and that God has given us the ability to pray for one another. We're to, we're to pray big prayers because God has placed his spirit within us and therefore we have the power of God at work in us. And so we should be praying big prayers. We, when we pray little small prayers, we're saying that we don't have a very big God. And so what, he, what it's saying here is talking about our, our, that we will grow, our roots will grow down deep. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So this past weekend, like I said, I was watching documentaries and, and just different things. And so I love to watch stuff on Africa and the animals and the Serengeti and all that stuff. So it was talking about a couple of different trees there. And it was talking about the acacia tree and it was talking about the sausage tree and how they have an extremely uh, deep root system. And so out there on the Serengeti where it gets like 13 and a half inches of rain a year, it's kind of like a semi-desert, that the trees there are not dependent upon the rain because they, they, their, their roots grow down so deep. And so the animals get under them for the shade to get out of the hot, scorching sun. And then they produce fruit that the animals eat. And they produce the seed pods that the animals eat. And it's just this incredible picture of, it's like an oasis for these animals out here in the Serengeti. And so I was thinking about, you know, how it's talking about because of how deep those roots go down, it gives life. It gives life to everything around it. And so for us... As we grow, our roots grow down into God's love, 
And we begin to understand more and more about how much God loves us, how much God has, is willing to forgive. We grow down in that we become strong in our knowledge and understanding of who God is. And we grow strong in our understanding of love. And therefore, we want to love as God has loved us. And so as we grow in our understanding and our knowledge of who God is, we, we get stronger. And so let's look at a couple of ways. So God's love is, is wide enough to be everywhere. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. And so we don't always see certain things like radio waves. Anybody got a phone? Anybody Raise your hand if you got a phone. Anybody got a phone? Everybody does, right? So now if I were to say, hey, listen, I want somebody over here to call somebody on this side of the room. Y'all think that would work if they knew the number? Yeah, it would, right? Well, how does that work? Because there's no cord in between the two, but there's waves that are bouncing through this room. There are oftentimes, you know, we often hear talk about, you know, pinged off a cell tower. You know, so they, they're able to track people down by that. But the thing is, is there's waves bouncing all through this room, but we can't see them. There's radio waves. There's TV waves. There's cameras that, you know, that shoot things. And, and then they'll be able to broadcast that out. And you're like, how in the world does that work? It'll be in color. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen like that. But we don't see those things. But if you have a way, a receiver, like your phone is a receiver, it receives a, a, a voice or whatever. It receives the, the transmission that comes from somebody else's. You know, I can remember as a kid in first grade, and maybe it was, uh, you know, I don't remember if it was Dick and Jane or whatever it was, but in one of those it showed a TV phone one day in the future. And I can remember thinking like, yeah, that'll ever happen. You know, but it did, right? And so not only can you, not only can you sit here and make a phone call from one side of the room to the other without any wires attached because of these waves that are in here that we can't see, you can actually do what? FaceTime. You can FaceTime each other. And you get a video, you get voice, and you get to see everything in a room with all these waves bouncing around. And, and here's the thing about God. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. Man, he's moving. He's stirring. He's, maybe you say, well, Mike, I can't see God. If I could only see God, then I would believe God. But here's the thing is you have to be willing to receive Christ... And when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit who is placed within you. And then all of a sudden, it's like you've got this tuner. And this tuner that allows you to tune in and to dial into who God is. And all of a sudden, you are able to see God at work all around you. And you're able to experience God like you've never experienced Him before because you have received Jesus Christ, which is the receiver, if you will, for the works of God. And you get to see God clearly. And so we can't see these waves bouncing here, but we know they're here. And we can know this, that God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. No matter where you go, no matter how far from God you may think you are, His love is stretches from east to west. And how far is that? It goes on for an eternity. And then look at the next one. It says God's love is long enough to last forever. It's long enough to last forever. You know, we, we live in you know, a broken world with broken relationships and broken people. And there are often times whenever we see people that will say that they're in love with uh, someone and it doesn't take long before they are out of love with them. I've had couples come in, you know, and one of the, one of the spouses will say, well, I'm, we're not in love with each other anymore. And I'm like, what's love got to do with it? You know, what about your commitment? What about the covenant that you established? What about the promises that you made to your spouse and, and to the God of the universe? What, what about those? What about your character and your integrity? You know, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to do what I promised to do and what I vowed to do. What about those things? Because a lot of times what we do is we get caught up in the emotions of it and the feelings of it. 
And God is not about, you know, it's not about emotions and feelings. It's about commitment. It's about, you know, hey, I am there. And so God's love is long enough to last forever, unlike human love, where we, we get tired of someone. Maybe they don't do what we think they ought to do, so therefore we don't love them anymore. That's performance-based. God's not in performance-based. God's love lasts forever. We, when, when we accept Jesus Christ, he says, hey, you know what? He says he places his Holy Spirit within us, as a, where we, and we are sealed until the day of redemption. Places it in there as a deposit of how long his love will last. And then the next one, it says God's love is deep enough to reach me at my lowest. God's, God's love is deep enough to reach me at my lowest. We all go through dark seasons and dark times and, and struggles and challenges. I can remember, when I think of that passage there, I often think of a friend of mine named Randy. And Randy was this incredible guy that I met in college that uh, he was older than me. He was probably 30 or 40 years old. And, uh, but, man, he was just on fire for the Lord, just passionate. He was sharing the gospel everywhere he went. He was always involved at the church, helping with projects. He'd help with the student ministry. I mean, he was just a go-getter. And, man, you love He was like a magnet for people. Everybody wanted to be around Randy. He was just so much fun, and he was just, he was just life-giving. And I remember just sitting, uh, I think we were driving down the road one day. He and I were going somewhere, and I said, Randy, I said, you know, how, how long have you been a believer? He goes, man, I've only been a believer for, and he gave however many years. And I said, what was your life like before that? He goes, man, it was hell. I said, what do you mean by that? Because I wasn't expecting that from Randy. And anyway, he began to talk about how, he goes, man, he said, you know, I was married. He said, but I was cheating on my wife with a couple of other ladies. He said, I was stealing from my company. He said, I was stealing from friends. He said, I was stealing from this. You know, it just, it, he's just the list went on and on and on. And uh, he said, I was so far from God. He said, I really didn't care about God. He said, it was all about Randy. And anyway, he said, you know, he, he said, I was working on a car one day. He said, and, I caught, and the car caught on fire. I caught on fire. He said, so I ended up in, in, in a hospital. He said, and I'm laying in a hospital. He said, my wife wasn't coming to see me because everything kind of came out as a result of the accident because he was where he wasn't supposed to be so everything kind of comes out and hits gets into the light and so all of a sudden you know nobody's there in the hospital with him his wife's not there in the hospital with him those he was cheating on his wife with were not in the hospital with him people that you know he was friends with or he thought his friends were weren't there instead he's laying in the hospital burned over most of his body and he said man he said "I, i didn't have anywhere else to go but I'm at my lowest point, and I look up and I say, God, I don't know if you will forgive me, but I'm asking you to forgive me. And I don't even know if you're still here. And, he said, and I remember Randy said, he goes, I, I, I felt God just speak to me and say, Randy, I've never gone anywhere. I've always loved you. And it was a turning point in Randy's life. Randy gave his life to Christ, laying in a hospital bed, burned over most of his body. And when he came out of there, he was a different person. He was on fire for the Lord. He was literally living his life in a way that brought glory to the, to the Heavenly Father. And people were just drawn to him. It changed everything about him. So at his lowest point, God's love was right there. Let me just say this. Your lowest point, maybe you're there this week. Maybe you feel like, Mike, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but God does. And I'm telling you, his love is right there. He loves you with an unending love. God's love is high enough to forgive my failures. God's, God's love is high enough to forgive my failures. I think about, you know, oftentimes we, 
we, we see people go, hey, we're going to take this to court. And they go to the one court and they go to the next one. They go, I'm going to take it to the next court. And then we take it to the highest court in the land. We, go, we take it to the Supreme Court or whatever, the highest court in the land. And whatever they say, that becomes it. That's it. Well, here's what I love is God, God is the righteous judge. He is the ultimate. And if he is high enough to forgive our sins, then nobody else has anything to say in that. You know what I'm saying? In other words, we come before him. We, we, we literally are broken over our sin. We're, we have a repentant heart. He says, hey, listen, I will wash you clean. Your sins are forgiven. Then he is high enough to forgive our sins. If he says, hey, they're gone, they're no more, then they're gone and they're no more. Now, what we've got to be willing to do is we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I agree with you. Too often we have a tough time forgiving ourselves, and we have a tough time forgiving others. But God says, hey, if you're forgiven, you're forgiven indeed. So God's love is high enough to forgive my failures. Look at this next statement. It says God, God loves us because it's who he is. It's, it's, it's part of who he is. It's his character. Dear friends, this is 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. So we're to love each other. We're to love one another. Anyone who, lo- who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Over and over and over we see through the scriptures, this is love. God showed his great love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. When we receive Jesus Christ, we are made right with God through faith. There's no other way. It's not by works. It's not by, hey, I've got to perform. I've got to earn God's love. God loves us regardless. And so there's a couple of statements here. Number one, God doesn't just love. He is love. Hear this. Love is not something God does. It's not something that God offers. It's who he is. And so whenever we experience love, we are experiencing the very presence of God. We're experiencing the very character of God. We're experiencing who he is. And so it's not just something that he does. It's who he is. And so God loves us. And if we could ever get our mind around how much he loves us, we would value ourselves. We would look at ourselves different. You know, whenever we, we're, it's all based on performance. Because we do things to, you know, to, I guess, perform for people. We dress to hopefully be accepted by someone. We want them to accept us, you know, how we dress, how we, what we drive. We drive certain cars because we think that people will, you know, they'll, they'll like us more if we do this. We'll live in this house. Maybe that'll impress somebody. So we're always trying to impress people and hope that they will like us. But what I love here is that whenever we get our mind around the fact that, you know what, that God loves me, I shouldn't be worried about what anybody else thinks. If God loves me, that's who he is. If he loves me, then why am I so worried about trying to impress other people? Why do I listen to criticism? Why do I listen to all the, the negative that's out there? Whenever, and, I, and here's the thing. We will worry about what somebody thinks about us, especially in high school. I can remember in high school, if somebody said something negative, somebody didn't like you, you would tend to focus on them. Some of you guys still live like you're in high school. Somebody didn't like you. Somebody has said something negative about you. And, dude, that's all you can focus on. Really what we should say is, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that. I know that God loves me. I know that I'm in right standing with God because of what Christ has done, not because of what I've done. So I'm not going to worry about what everybody says about me that's negative. You know, I'm not going to focus on the critics. I'm going to focus on the God that loves me, that sent his son to die for me. What have they ever done for me? What, what are those people that have, have been your biggest critic? What have they ever done for you? Nothing. God has done everything for you. 
And so maybe today the choice is to say, you know what, God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to focus on you. And here's the thing. As we spend time with him, we grow down in our love of him. Our, our roots literally grow down into his love, and we become strong. And we're strong and we're confident. We're not walking in fear of anybody else or, or what they might say. So God lavishes his love on undeserving, rebellious people. That's all of us. God lavishes his love. It doesn't seem fair sometimes. We don't deserve it. None of us do. There's no one righteous, no, not one. But God, he lavishes his unfailing love on us. And if you can get your mind around that, man, you go, you know, God, why would you love me? We don't know. We really don't know. Agape love, the love of self-sacrifice, where God is willing to literally allow his own son, Jesus, to go to the cross. It's, it's, it's unconditional love. It's not based on how good I am. It's not based on how bad I am. It's based on God's love. And so that agape love, you know, we know that love can be conditional, that people put conditions on it. Hey, I'll love you if you do this. I'll love you if you do that. But God says, I'll love you no matter what. Let me tell you a deep one to get your mind around. If you choose to reject his son, Jesus Christ, and the Bible has made it clear, you either accept Christ or you reject Christ. So you have that choice today. So you, you say, you know what, I'm going to choose to accept, choose to reject Christ, therefore, your destination would be a place called hell. You choose to accept Christ, you receive, a, you go to a place called heaven. That's what God's made, made it clear. Jesus made it clear. And so even if you go to hell, God still loves you. He loves you. He loves you even if you reject his only son. He still loves you. It's an unconditional love. And so agape love, the love of self-sacrifice. And the last one, God loves us enough to let us choose. You choose to reject Christ. He loves you enough to let you do that. You choose to say, hey, I think this is all just a bunch of religion. He lets you choose that. But see, understand this. Christianity is not a religion. Jesus is about a relationship with you. God is about a relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals and routines and going through, jumping through hoops and, and doing certain things and scratching thir- certain things off the list. It really is about a relationship with a holy God through his son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to lay down his life for your sins. It's about a relationship. And so as we grow in that relationship, how do we grow in relationships? We spend time with people, right? Y'all think back to whenever you first fell in love with whoever you're in love with now or whoever you might have been in love with back then. You would listen, you would talk to them on the phone and you wouldn't even want to say goodbye on the phone. Say, I don't want to hang up, you hang up. Isn't that so cheesy? Or you'll be standing at the door, and I don't want to leave. I just want to stay here. Well, I, you got to go home. i got to go home, you know. And you'd stand there, and you would, you would milk it for everything. The light, you know, the porch light's being flicked on. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang on the door, like, would you come in? You know, I mean, you, y'all know. I mean, but you just, hey, I just want to spend more, as much time as possible with you. And so it's just one of those things that, well, you know, hey, well, how did you get to know each other? Because you spent time together. How do you get to know God? How do you dial in? How do you tune into who he is? You spend time with him. You spend time in his word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time just listening to God. Be still and know that I am God is what Scripture says. Sometimes we just need to be still and listen. Listen for that small voice of God, that still, small voice. But God loves us enough to let us choose. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force himself. He doesn't force you to make any decisions. He gives you the choice. Look at this last one here. It says, God... God's love should, should be evident in, in us. It should be evident in us as believers. Those who have put our faith in Christ. 1 John four eleven through 13 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. And so God has placed within us the Spirit of the living God. So think about this for a minute. You know, you might say, Mike, I don't know how to love like that. You don't if you don't have the Spirit of God living within you. But if you have given your life to Christ, if you have received Jesus Christ... The Bible says that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So therefore, you have been given a deposit, and the Holy Spirit lives within you, which is the very presence of God. And so therefore, God is, is going to show you, He's going to teach you how to love people. You might say, Mike, I grew up in Dysfunction Junction. You don't know what my home life was like. I don't, but it doesn't matter what kind of atmosphere you grew up in. God can change how you see people, and God can change how you love people. You might say, well, Mike, I grew up in a harsh environment. God can soften your heart. God can change your heart. Jesus says he gives you a new heart and a new name written in the Lamb's book of life. And so we've got to be willing to get our mind around and say, God, I need you to change me so that I can love people the way that you love people. Let me tell you, that's a constant prayer of mine. God, give me eyes to see people as you see them. God, help me to love them as you love them. Because in my own, in this flesh, I won't. In this flesh, I won't. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, you've placed within me your Holy Spirit. And if I, if I always hate people, and if you're one of those where you feel like you've got more hate than you've got love, then you need to, you know what, say, God, I need you to help me change. And he will. And you've got to be willing to submit and su- surrender some areas of your life and say, God, help me to love people. Help me not to condemn them, but to love them. That's what Jesus did, right? We read it in the very first passage. Jesus, Jesus came not to condemn, but to save the world. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to love people the way that you love them. Help me to forgive people the way that you forgive them. And God, help me to care for them the way that you care for them. God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we might love as he loves. He sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. You think about it. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have given Jesus Christ your life, The Holy Spirit lives within you. He dwells within you. The power of God is at work within you. Remember, I I started off the message talking about how Jesus said, hey, it's better for me to leave because I'm sending one. I'm sending the comforter. I'm sending the counselor. I'm sending one that will empower you. And the disciples didn't understand, but hey, listen, on the day of Pentecost, whenever they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they realized that day, all right, I know what Jesus was talking about. Some of you in this room need to experience, hey, you know what, God, I want to walk in that kind of authority and that kind of power and not just be religious, but I want to be born again. I want to be saved and I want to know, you know what, the power of God is at work in me. And so God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we might love as he loves. If you feel like, hey, I, I really can't love like that, then you may not have Christ within you. You may just be religious. But if we have Christ's presence within us, the very presence of God within us, then we should learn to love others. Evidence of God's love in my life is my love for others. Jesus said, hey, the, the way that the world would know that you're my followers is the fact that you follow my teaching and your love for others. The fact that you love people, you care about what they're going through, you care about what they're dealing with, You love them. Your heart hurts for them. You pray for them. You stand in the gap for them. It's evidence that you might be a believer. I mean, I can remember growing up, there was a question that was often asked. said, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life that you'd be found guilty? Right? Y'all ever heard that? So what what if we said, hey, listen, we're going to do a court, 
And we're going to have a court set up, and we're going to bring you up, and you're going to have to bring up enough witnesses, and you're going to have to bring up enough evidence to show, you know what, that this, this court will believe that you are truly a Christian, that you're a follower of Christ, that you're a believer, that you've been born again. Would there be enough evidence in your life? And you know if there is or not. And so the thing is, is whenever we look at that and we go, well, the evidence, evidence of God's love in my life is my love for others. Do I love other people? Do I want to see them successful? Do I want to see them, you know, flourish? Do I, or am I envious? Am I, you know, am I jealous? Am I greedy that I don't want them to have what I have? But do I love them like the early church did, where they gave their possessions as they had, as they saw that there was need, they just sold them and gave it to people? Or is it more about, hey, I want more and I want you to have less? First John four sixteen through 19 says, we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. I love that statement. Just that passage right there, 16, is awesome. We know how much God loves us. I mean, if we can get to the point where we know how much God loves us. Like it's saying here, we know, I know how much God loves me. If we can get to that point where we know how much God loves us, and look what he says, and we have put our trust in his love. That's Jesus. God is love, and all who live in, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. There's the evidence. And as we live in God, our, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Man, that's a powerful text right there. I feel like there's some of you in this room that maybe you're you're living in fear rather than living in love. And so it says we must put our trust in his love, not our performance. We talked about performance already. And so what we do is if, if we're living in fear of God's punishment, if that's the way you're living as a believer, you don't fully understand God's love. You're still performance-based. You're still thinking, hey, well, if I'll do enough stuff, maybe he will love me. If I'll do enough things, maybe he'll let me in the gate. Maybe I can slide under the, the, the golden gates there at the end. But here's the thing is if you know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ lives in your heart. I don't know if you ever hear me when I ask this, but when I'm baptizing someone, I'll ask them, say, hey, listen, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ lives in your heart? They'll say, yes. I'll say, upon that public proclamation, I baptize you, my little brother, my little sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. And so what I'm asking, do you know without a shadow of a doubt? In other words, I don't want them wandering through life like, man, I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm good enough. I hope I get in. I hope I've done enough of the right things. I hope, I hope, I hope. And here's the thing. We're to have hope, but that hope is in Christ. And if Christ is taking care of our, our sin, then why in the world do we walk in fear that we won't get in? The Bible says, I've told you these things that you might know that you have salvation. Not that you have to wonder. Not that you have to hope that you get in. Not that you have to live in fear of punishment. But man, you walk in confidence. That you know, my Father loves me. My Father is for me. My Father, He cares about me. We're not walking in fear. We're walking in confidence. Let me read the text one more time. God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I love that. And what it's saying is more perfect, more complete. 
So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. What do we have to be afraid of? Because we know that God loves us. He's provided the way of salvation. We have received Christ. Therefore, we are a child of God. So we don't walk in fear. And it doesn't matter what Satan throws at us or what he tries to remind us of in our past. We know where our future is at because we know what God's Word says. It says, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We're followers of Christ. We're, we're walking in that confidence. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. What is perfect love? Jesus. The greatest expression of God's love is Jesus Christ, right? And whenever we have Christ living within us, that perfect love drives out all fear. We're not worried about tomorrow. We're not, like, I was talking with someone the other day and they were like, hey, you know, are you, are you afraid of dying? I was like, really, I'm not. I know where I'm going. I know who I am. You know what I'm saying? I know who I belong to. And so it's not that I'm afraid of that. I'm not going to push the envelope and say, hey, listen, I'm going to try to make it happen. But here's the thing. I trust that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. So I don't live in fear of death. But I live with confidence knowing that I'm a child of God, that I've been purchased by Christ, and I have received that gift of salvation. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. The only way that you can really love people is if you've been loved by God, if you've experienced his love. Otherwise, it'll all be performance-based. The only way that you can love someone with a love that lasts forever is for the love of God to be in you. Whenever you say your I do's and your vows, you say, I'll love you till the day I die. You can do that because the love of God is in you. And so we must put our trust in his love, not our performance. And then look at this next one. I, are you, there's a question here. Are you walking daily in love or in fear? So each day, are you walking in love? Or do you walk in fear? Do you let anxiety rule in your life? Scripture tells us over and over, hey, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, present your request before God with thanksgiving. In other words, we're to thank God in advance for things that are going to happen. We're not supposed to go through life anxious or worrying or fretting, but we should be walking through life with confidence and walking in love. Hey, listen, my God loves me. He'll provide. My God will provide what is needed. I'm not going to live in fear. Wednesday night, we were talking about uh, pr the power of prayer, and I was sharing about George Mueller. And George Mueller's a, a, a young man who, in the 1800s, uh, was, grew up in Germany, and he wanted to be a he wanted to be a missionary, and his dad said, I'm not supporting that. I'm not going to invest in your school to go to be a missionary. And he said, he goes, okay. So he prayed about it, and God provided a, an internship where he was able to go to college. And he ended up seeing kids on the streets, and he saw that they were, you know, they, were, they didn't have homes. And he began to pray for God to provide a place where he could have an orphanage. And God provided a place, and then he began to provide, ask God to provide the staff. And the, God provided the staff. And there were so many times where they would sit down to eat. And there, I read a, a, a quote where a one of the ladies says, sir, there's no food to feed the children. He goes, have them go in and sit down at the table. And about that time, a, a, milk, a, a bread, a baker came. He said, he goes, Mr. Mueller, he said, I couldn't sleep all night last night. He said, Lord just told me to bake bread, so I, bought, I brought bread for you. He says, thank you. Takes it in. Milkman comes knocking on the door. He says, Mr. Mueller, my vehicle is broke down out here. He said, I won't be able to get this milk to everybody before it spoils. He said, could you guys use some milk? He said, yes, bring it in. Thank you. And so all 300 kids were fed breakfast that morning. And what I'm saying is he prayed and he believed, you know what, my God loves me. My God will provide for me. 
And so he didn't live in fear of how in the world are we going to feed these 300 kids. He believed in the God who loved him would provide, and he did. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, don't let me walk in fear or trepidation. But Father, let me walk in love, knowing that you love me, you have blessed me, and God, you are going to take care of me because you love me. So are you walking in fear or are you walking in love? Do you trust him? Do you trust his love? So there's a question here. So why does God love us so much? It's a mystery. I don't know. I really don't. I, you, you might say, well, Mike, you just said it because God is love. That may be why, but I don't really know. Why does God love us so much? All you have to do is just look around and see how people are, see how they treat one another, see how we treat you know, ourselves, which are created in the image of God. And you go, why does God love us? Man, I don't know. But he does. And here's the thing. The reason that I know he does, because his word says it does. Over and over, his scripture says that he loves me. He loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. He has purchased me. He wants to live in me. He wants to live through me. He wants to use me to do great and mighty things. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. Next steps for me today is to trust in his love. That's Jesus. Maybe for you today, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to quit worrying. I'm going to quit trying to earn God's love. I'm just going to trust in his love. I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to trust in his love. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to trust him. The last one there is just to walk in God's love and not in fear. Today, God, I choose to walk in love. God, through your power working in me, because I know you've placed your Holy Spirit within me, because I have received your Son, Jesus Christ, and I know without a shadow of a doubt that you live within me. I know I am your child. So therefore, I will no longer walk in fear. But I will walk in understanding and I will walk in confidence, knowing who you are. Because as I have sunk my roots down into who you are, I have grown stronger and am confident. So there may be some of you today, you go, you know what, God, that is my decision. There's too many believers that walk in fear. Too many people that claim to be Christians that live in fear every day. And God is saying, listen, I have not called you to walk in fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear or of timidity but a power and a sound mind. And now walk in that and walk with confidence. There may be some of you in this room that you've never received Christ. You've been religious. You've been, you've been religious. You've gone to church. Maybe you've gone to classes. Maybe you've memorized a few scriptures. Maybe you've got a few stars put on beside your name. But the thing is, is, have you ever received God's greatest expression of love, Jesus? Have you ever said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. Jesus, I want to ask you to come and live within me. And if you haven't, then let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that you are saved. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life forever. I want to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and you just do business with God as He leads you. But there may be some of you in here today that you've never accepted Christ. You've never received God's greatest gift of love, the gospel. That's Jesus. And so right now, I want to give you that opportunity. What, what I want to encourage you to do is just say, Jesus, I confess you that I'm a sinner. His, his word says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of all unrighteousness. And so just say, Jesus, I want to confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it so many times. So Jesus, will you forgive me? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to ask you, will you come and live within me? I want to receive Jesus and I want to receive your spirit within me. So, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I come before you right now, and I ask you to come and live within me. 
to fill me with your love, to teach me about your love, and to help me walk in your love. And so, Jesus, that is my prayer, that is my plea today, for you to save me from myself and from my sins. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, if you would, just to raise your hand. Say, Mike, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand high. I see it right back here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Raise it high. Right here, I see it. Let me just tell you, if you just prayed that prayer, you received the greatest gift that God will ever, ever give. It's His greatest expression of His love. You believe that? If you believe that, then here's the thing. If you receive that, then you're saved. You become His child. You're part of His family. You become a part of the church, a friend of God. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He loves you. If you raised your hand, I want you just to look up here. Everybody else with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I saw you raise your hand back here. You believe that? He says you're a child of God. Welcome to the family. I saw you raise your hand right here. You believe that? All the faith that's in you. They walk in His love. Welcome to the family. You're His child. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever. His love, it reaches everywhere. Anybody else? You raised your hand. Just look up here at me. Right here. You know, you believe that? You believe with all the faith that's in you? Then you're His child. Walk in His love. Receive the gift of salvation. And walk in confidence, not fear. Walk in confidence. Welcome to the family. There's lots of people in this room that are probably already believers. There's three there that have put their faith in Christ. Maybe more that I didn't see. But I'm just telling you, if you today have put your faith in Christ, you are His child. You're part of His family. You're co-heirs with Christ. You're a part of the, the family of God. You're part of the church. We want to walk with you. We want to. The VIP room is right back here in the back. We want to put a Bible in your hand. New Believer's Bible. We want to help you in that next step. We want to see you go through the waters of baptism. That's one of the steps of obedience. Go through the waters of baptism. Identify with who Christ is. And then begin that journey, that walk with Christ. But you know, I believe there's a lot of believers in this room that you haven't been walking in love. You've been walking in fear. And maybe today you just need to confess that to God and say, God, I've been walking in fear. I've been been trying to earn your love. I've been trying to do it all on my own. I've been trying to perform for you. And say, God, maybe you just need to confess that day. God said, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. And God, I want to walk in your love. And I want to walk in the confidence of knowing that I am your child. And God, that I am not going to focus on what the critics say. I'm not going to focus on those who try to attack me. But God, I am going to focus on you and you alone. And God, I will pursue you with everything that's in me. Then let that be your decision today. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for these that have put their faith in you for salvation. I thank you for the three young men who did the same thing in the earlier service. God, that all of them have received the greatest expression of your love, Jesus Christ. And Father, therefore they are part of your family now. They're part of the kingdom of God. And God, I pray that they would walk out of here today, maybe for the first time, with confidence that they have no no questions, God, that they are saved and that they are your child and they're part of your family. God, give them the courage to take the next steps, to boldly follow you. And God, I pray that you'd fill them with confidence this week. Not in themselves, but in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.